Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. It's, uh, if you were here last Sunday, apparently I was told that I was really beating up on Santa Claus. Um, so I would not say anything about Santa this Sunday, except that he doesn't exist. So if it's a surprise for you guys, I, I hope you would know that by now. Let's look around the room. Is there anyone else in here that uh, am I going to get in trouble? I'm still beating him up. Yes, I'm not done yet. I'm not done with Santa yet. Um, so, uh, good morning and uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, as, I, as I was saying that I, I used to love Christmas, and it is the most celebrated holiday in America. It is true. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. Um, uh, the most celebrated holiday in America, and it's the second most, holiday that, uh, second most celebrated holiday in worldwide, uh, being that New Year is number one. So uh, as I was saying that in the past, Christmas used to be a, a great time for me because it's a nice long break, you, know, you get presents, and you get to take some time off, and you would go out, and you know, everything is so nicely decorated with the lights and what have you. But uh, ever since I got to know Jesus, it, as I say, it became my second favorite holiday being that Easter is my number one now because Christmas is great, right? But then Easter is the resurrection day. Actually, we should change Easter back to, uh, not back, we should change Easter to, I formally call it the Resurrection Day. It does sound a little bit, uh, is it morbid? Is it fatal? But Resurrection Day, it's, it's a miracle that to this day, it cannot be explained, it cannot be duplicated, it cannot be imitated, it cannot be replic replicated. So, uh, so that's why it's, it's my favorite holiday, because that's when Jesus proved to his disciples that he is who he said he is. He's the son of God. However, before we get to the resurrection day, I don't want to uh, start talking about the resurrection day because it's Christmas, right? Let's talk about Christmas. Let's celebrate Christmas because Christmas comes first. That's how God works. There's always an order in terms of how God does things. He's not the God of chaos. So we got Christmas and then we got the resurrection day. So let's talk about Christmas because it's coming up. Uh, as I said last week, um, I shared that Christmas is actually a shortened were for the Mass of Christ. So Mass meaning it's a gathering of people celebrating and worshiping. And Christ obviously is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came to take away the sin of, of, of the world. So that is the Mass of Christ. That's what Christmas stands for. So the celebration of the birth of Christ is the fulfillment of a prophetic promise that God has spoken to us, to his people, throughout the Old Testament, throughout all the books of the Old Testament. Uh, as if you've been here uh, more than one time, you probably have heard this from me. All the Old Testament, is, all the books is pointing to Jesus, pointing to the coming of Jesus. And the New Testament books is about Jesus. So everything in the Old Testament was about the coming of Jesus. And that's what we're celebrating, Christmas, which is happening in three days. So the birth of mankind's living hope. Because before Jesus... And without Jesus, we had no hope, right? Because after we die, that's it. It's death and destruction. Uh, it's, when I'm talking about hope, a living hope, I don't mean like hope of an optimistic person. It's different than someone's being optimistic or hope in terms of like a blind faith type of hope. When I say hope, I mean hope of an eternal life. Hope that we will be able to stand in front of God face to face, cover in the righteousness of Jesus, our Heavenly Father, and through Jesus, we have a hope that we will be joined together 
in the future with all of our children, their children, for future generations, together in heaven, forever. Uh, isn't that awesome? I mean, at least for me, it's awesome to know that I get to be with my kids, my grandkids, and the great-grandkids forever. Uh, hopefully, you don't want to not see them forever if you have kids. And that's what we're celebrating because through Jesus, we get to be, I, I get to be, we get to be with them. Not we have to be with them. We get to be with them forever, and they get to be with us. They may think that they have to be with us, but they get to be with us forever because of Jesus. Uh, so that's why we say Merry Christmas, because of his birth. And uh, that's also another thing that I kind of want to talk Like, we say Merry Christmas, not Happy Holiday, right? Because happy is, is more like an emotion, an internal feeling that we get. Uh, sometimes it change depends on a good day or a bad day. But a Merry Christmas is like an active showing of joy, uh, a rejoicing as in a behavior that we're rejoicing, rejoicing outwardly. Therefore, we don't say Happy Christmas, right? Does anyone here say Happy Christmas? Do you guys hear Happy Christmas? It's because it's not a cause of, for an emotion because an emotion is something we feel inside. How we feel emotionally is depending on our, our past, our personality, and the things that have happened to us, um, and what have you, or our sense of humor. But we use the term Merry Christmas. It's because people, we are rejoicing. We're rejoicing due to an actual event that had happened, events that had happened and known, which resulted in celebration and rejoicing throughout this nation, throughout the whole world, right? So we celebrate Christmas not because we're in a good mood. We celebrate Christmas even when we're not in a good mood because of an incredible event that had occurred. That incredible event was the birth of Jesus. And that's what we're rejoicing in, the birth of our Savior. So let's talk about why we should rejoice in the birth of Jesus. Uh, so briefly, just to take it back, last week I shared briefly from the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, about the prophetic birth of John the Baptist coming to prepare the way for Jesus. So preparing the way as in John was, was preaching and was teaching and was telling everyone that Jesus is coming, the kingdom of God is at hand, that the Savior of all mankind is here. That's from Matthew chapter 3. So, and, that, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. So keep in mind the, the news about the coming of Jesus, the coming of the Savior, wasn't first mentioned or taught by John the Baptist. So it's not like John was walking around telling everyone and people were hearing it for the first time that the Savior is coming. Because we talked about uh, all the books in the Old Testament. 39 of them, written by many different authors over thousands of years, all pointed to the coming of the Savior. The Savior is coming. I want to give the brief explanation to the Old Testament because uh, we, so then we can all be aware that when John the Baptist was walking around and declaring that the Savior is coming, the Son of God is here, and the kingdom of God is at hand, everyone was not hearing it for the first time. It's been passed down from generation to generation to generation that the Savior, God, is sending a Savior. They've been learning about it. They've been taught about it. That's all they talked about. So they know that God is sending a Savior to his people. So when John said, Jesus is here, the kingdom is near, they all, they all knew what was going on, and they all knew who John was referring to. So the people back then knew that they needed a Savior, and they were been waiting for it. So this, uh, as I said, this understanding has been passed down. So when he declared that the Lamb of God is here to take away the sin of the world, they knew exactly what John was talking about, right? 
as I said, they were been waiting and yearning and, and praying for that coming of the Savior. They can say, they would be saying like, please God, send the Savior right now instead of 2,000 years from now, right now. So they, when you hear the news, they all get very excited, right? Because they knew that they have been trying to live a perfect and righteous life. They, they tried, but they couldn't do it. We know that because we talked about how God gave them the Mosaic Law, uh, 613 Mosaic Law to say, if you think you can be perfect, you think you can live a righteous life, here you go. Try to abide by these laws that I have for you. God knew that mankind, us, so don't feel bad, okay? Don't be offended when I say this thing. Mankind, that including myself too, in all of our pride and arrogance, and ignorance, we think that we can achieve righteousness, right? Holiness, and perfection by ourselves, on our own. Thinking that we can create a place of utopia and live in it. We actually did live in a place of utopia, in the Garden of Eden, right? But then we, kind of, we went and ruined it. So, but history repeats itself from the standpoint that we think that we need to recreate a utopia so we can live in it. But history repeats itself because we will ruin it if we are left to our own devices. So God gave us the Mosaic Law uh, because he knew that we think that we would be able to do it on our own, save ourselves. So however, after living with the Mosaic Law for roughly 1,400 years, the people that back then realized that we can't do it. We need a savior because they couldn't satisfy all of the law, right? 613 of them. So they could not live a righteous life according to those law, according to God's law, because righteousness according to God, we need to remember this, not according to our own constantly changing righteousness standard that we've set out for ourselves. Um, the righteousness according to God. That in itself is actually deserving of his own sermon. But um, I'll move on from this. So I know I kind of went off on a sidetrack for a little bit. But I, I, um, I've been using the term them of the people back then. People back then hearing about the Savior that's been coming. Describing the people back in the time of Jesus' birth. But people is people. Right? So if we, them is also us. Also, from the standpoint, they were waiting for a savior. They knew they needed the savior. So the same thing with, as us, because people is people. If we strip away all the technological advances, all the knowledge that we have gained, educationally, through our medical uh, knowledge, and, and what have you, people are the same now as they were 2,000 years ago. And people are the same now as they will be 2,000 years ago. People is people. Because the tremendous... Uh, advancement in technology and medical fields have given us a false sense of knowledge and a false sense of righteousness. Uh, I want to say the false sense of uh, knowledge from the standpoint that we, we think we know so much more now. So we know how things work and why things work. Uh, we will be able to find out how and why everything happened. An example is we know so much more already, right? So we will eventually find out the cause of the beginning of creations instead of trusting that God created all things. Uh, a false sense of righteousness from the standpoint that we have given ourselves justification for why we do what we do, because we've known so much, we've learned so much. So for an example for that is to, to, to say that it's okay to say a little white lie, or it's okay to have a little exaggerations, because it's not going to hurt anyone, right? However, to God, sin is sin. 
A little white lie is the same thing as when you have, same thing as you are a mass murderer. Sin is sin. So this is what I meant when I said we as people are the same as the people back then. So when I was using the term them, it applies to us also. It applies to us. So that's how I said as we strip away our knowledge through the centuries, which could only lead to even more pride and arrogance. Can I say that? Is that okay? I'm going to say it anyway. So hopefully that's okay. So we know that no one, no human being is capable of living a life of complete holiness and righteousness. So deep down, we also know that we need a savior. That savior is Jesus, the son of God. Because he took on a human form, right? He, he lived a life of complete righteousness. The only one. He lived a life of complete holiness and perfection. Took on our human form. And God knew that we needed a savior. So he sent us a savior. He's been telling us, his people, for thousands of years through the Old Testament. And for us right now, deep down, we also know that we need a savior. We need someone to come and save us. The reason that we know that we need a savior because that sin is embedded within our DNA. It's, it's within our DNA to look for a savior, to cheer for a savior. The sin of our forefather has been embedded within our DNA, whether we like it or not. We may think that we don't have it, but we do have it. As much as we want to deny it, we do have it. So through, what, through that, we know that we cannot cleanse out what has been embedded within our DNA, right? So an example that we always want to look for a savior, we always want to look to a hero is, if you, if you look around and all the movies that, that, that you see in TV and all the books that are out there, all the popular books and movies, there's always a savior, right? It's always a hero. It's always the one that will come and save the people from bondage and freedom and what have you. Like the Matrix. I think everyone has seen the Matrix, right? Everyone has seen the Matrix. Come on, tell me. At least everyone, except for Marie. Okay. You are the exception. It's the Matrix, right? Neo, the one. He's the one, the prophetic one that's been talking about. Uh, Avatar, you guys see the hero that will come and save the, the, the native people. Star Wars, right? A New Hope. There's always a hero that will come and save the people. That's what we gravitate to because we know deep inside we need a hero. We want a hero, someone to come and save the people. And that's what Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. So according to God, when the time was right, he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to be our savior. The savior that came to save us through sacrificing himself. The only way to save us. The only way to cleanse the sin within our DNA that was embedded within us was through his blood. The only one that did not have sin within his DNA the only one that has actually the perfect DNA without sin. The only one ever. Jesus did this because only he, only he can be the sacrifice. Because only he is the only one who does not sin, live a life without sin. He was the only one. And he needed to be the, only, the person to sacrifice himself for all mankind. Um, Jesus, he needed to be the sacrifice because... Only the blood of someone, as I said, a DNA was free of sin, who lived a perfect life. Because for me, if one of us tried to, um, try to um, forgive ourselves for a crime that we had committed, it's, is that okay? We can't do that, right? 
If I committed a crime and I forgive myself, that's pretty hypocritical, right? Only the person who actually I have committed a crime against can forgive me for the crime that I have done. And because we have committed a sin, we have committed a crime against God. And only God can determine the correct retribution, the, the punishment that can come and forgive us for our sin. So that's why God came up with this idea. Our Heavenly Father sent His Son, Jesus, His only begotten Son, to be the perfect sacrifice for us. John 3.16, I know we see this all the time. And we hear this all the time. But it is true. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. As I said, we, can't, we cannot cleanse our own sin. It's committed. Once it's committed, it cannot be undone. So our sin, our crime is against God. It's not against each other. It's against God. So therefore, only God can determine the, 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 the punishment, the sufficient punishment. And that sufficient punishment is the shedding of the blood of someone who has committed no sin. So as we need the blood of Jesus, it has to be Jesus. It can only be Jesus. He was the one who was offended. God was the one who was offended by our sin. So he came up with this idea to, uh, on how to forgive us. He willingly offered his son to sacrifice for us. Jesus, the son of God who created everything. We know this. We talked about this all the time. Created all things. The creator of all things. That we see, smell, our being. The one who given us breath. He did this willingly so we can be forgiven of our crime. And it wasn't our idea either. It would have been nice if we came up with the idea, right? It's like, God, why don't you send your son to die for us? No, that was his idea. We didn't contribute anything to this. Nothing at all. And that's why we're so thankful. That's why we're always celebrating. So every year, we're reminded of why we're thankful for the birth of Jesus. Right? That he came. The birth of Jesus. So through the birth of Jesus, we have a chance to be forgiven of our crime against God. I said we have a chance because we have to believe in Jesus. He may die for us, but if we don't believe that he died for us, and it doesn't really do us any good. We're not accepting we're not accepting that gift that God is giving to us. And through the birth of Jesus, we have a chance to experience eternal life. It is true. There is a heaven. Hell is real. Uh, for those of you who, who, didn't think, who don't think so, I want to say this. Hell is real. Just from the fact that you've seen so many evil acts worldwide, everywhere. I know we know this through history. Ge Nazi Germany. Um, Cameroon. Communism. Joseph Stalin. Mao Zedong, millions and millions of people are killed because an evil act by evil people. So, hell is real. Hopefully, you guys will realize that. I think we know that. I know I'm preaching to the choir. So, through Jesus, we can have a chance of a savior, have a chance of eternal life. And through the birth of Jesus, we have a chance to live a life not being judged, not living under pressure by our neighbors, by our culture or by society, by the people who's telling us how we're supposed to be or what we need to live, what we need to look like. Because through our faith in Jesus, through our faith in Jesus, we no longer belong to, if I can say this, the human race. Because we actually now belong to God. We're the people of God. We belong in the kingdom of God. Right? 
So if we know that we belong to the kingdom of God, we will take care of so many problems that we have. If you look around, there's just so many hatreds, so many bad things being said about this type of people, that type of people. But if we know that we belong to God, we all belong together. It doesn't really matter what we look like or what we like or what we don't like. That's why the birth of Jesus is so incredible. And that's why we should rejoice in Christmas. That's why we should rejoice in the birth of Jesus. Because his birth has given us hope for life after death. This is why it is a Merry Christmas, right? We rejoice in Christmas, not a happy Christmas. We rejoice in the birth of Jesus, the birth of a Savior that came to save us, to give us eternal life, to give us a living hope. And that's what I wanted to bring across for us this morning to remember why we have a hope and why we celebrate Christmas. And before I bring this morning to a close, I, um, I want to point out that the Christmas story or the, the story on the birth of Jesus is not a fairy tale um, to make us feel good about ourselves. Hopefully we all know that, right? It's kind of nice to go see the, the nativity scenes or the birth of, of this little baby Jesus. It looks so cute. Or it's not a fairy tale. It's not the same thing as Cinderella. It's not the same thing as uh, the Matrix. It's not the same thing as any of those things. It is real because the Bible, I know you guys know this, but I want to say this again. The Bible, the best-selling book in the history of mankind. Hands down. I don't even know what's the second best-selling book in the history of mankind because it's not even close. The Bible. Is a, the, and the reason I say that is because it is the best-selling book in the history of mankind. It is also the book that is most studied, most analyzed, most dissected, most analyzed, criticized book ever, like period, ever. No human author can withstand that level of scrutiny. No one, period. Now, and just imagine, these are written by many different authors, many different authors. However, so not just one author, many different authors. And it's the most criticized and analyzed book and dissected book ever. Even atheists or people who do not believe in God cannot deny the archaeological or historical truths that's found in the Bible. So the New Testament books, again, as a reminder, was written by authors, different authors who walk with Jesus, who witnesses, who witness his many, many incredible miracles who saw him with their own eyes, right? Who touched him with their own hands. We know that in 1 John chapter 1. And there were also over 500 people who witnessed his resurrection. So these were people who actually lived when he lived, saw his miracles, saw the, 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 all the miracle acts that he did. So no other religions or faith or gods can make that claim, period. So therefore, Jesus is God and he is real birth of Jesus is real. There's historical facts on that. People who actually are not Christians actually documented the birth of Jesus and actually saw and the miracles that Jesus performed and they could not even explain it. They said it was unexplainable acts. I don't, I don't know how he did it. So he lived and he's real. So that's why I want to say for the birth of Jesus, rejoice in Jesus. Rejoice in the hope that we have through him because he came to give us a hope, to give us eternal life a living hope that we have, that change our trajectory, change our life, because this is where we were going, and through Jesus, this is where we're going now. And that's why we're thankful for him. Celebrate his birth, 
because it is the most ridiculously generous gift, undeserving gift to all mankind. Because it is, ever, period. So thank you, right? Thank you for the birth of Jesus. And then explain to people why his birth is the most amazing thing, most amazing gift. His birth is the most amazing gift to mankind, ever. We can never ask for a better gift because now through Jesus, we have hope. Because I know that now when I die, there's a place for me to go. The place that I would really like to go. And I can wait for my family and my kids and my grandkids. It, it sounds morbid, but it's something for me to look forward to. Something for us to look forward to. There's a life. There's something incredible for us to look to. To be in the presence of God. Thank you, Jesus. Merry Christmas. And I want to end with this verse to remind us, and myself, and to encourage all of us. It's from Luke chapter 2, verse 10. It says, Fear not. For behold, behold us mean be amazed, look up, focus, focus your attention on. I bring you good news of great joy. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, not just some of the people, not just for God's people, for all the people. For unto you this for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Good news of great joy. That will be for all the people, not just the people back then, not just for the people now, not just a few people. Good news of great joy for all the people that Jesus is born. So, make, so if I may suggest, make a New Year resolution to focus on Jesus. I actually don't believe in New Year. I don't do, I say that. I don't do New Year resolution. But if you do New Year resolution, make a resolution to focus on Jesus, if I can say that. This will take care of all the resolution that you want to do, right? Most of us want to be more kind, uh, have more rest, have more peace, be more secure in who we are, be kinder to people. But if we focus on Jesus, we will accomplish all those things together. Trust in him and obey in him. We will be more secure in who we are, what we're called to do, and what we're called to be. Because we find our identity in Jesus. So make a res if I can suggest, make a New Year resolution to know Jesus more. And make a new year resolution to trust in Jesus and to obey in him. Right? Jesus. I, I, I found this quote and I want to um, put this up for you guys. And I think you guys have seen this. Who is this man named Jesus? Right? He had no servants, yet they call him master. He had no formal degree or education, yet they call him teacher. They had no medicines, yet they call him healer. He had no army, yet the king feared him. kings feared him. He won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. He lives today. It's amazing, isn't it? He lives today. And his name is Jesus. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. All authority on earth and in heaven has been given to him, Jesus. And I would say all authority, even in hell, has been given to him because he defeated death. He has authority over death even. So all authority has been given to him. So this same king, the same Lord, who has all authority on earth and in heaven, everywhere and in hell, if I can say that, has given us an eternal hope that through him, through our faith in him, that we have a new hope. I feel like I just 
said the movie of the Star Wars, a new hope, eternal hope, a living hope. Star Wars copied the Bible, by the way, just so you guys know that. It's not the other way around. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your birth, Jesus. So that's the birth of whom we are celebrating and rejoicing in. Remember that. Remember what we have in Jesus. So this Christmas, let's remind ourselves and others to celebrate the good news of great joy to all the people. Amen? Amen.